Welcome to The Conversion Show, a podcast that's all about, you guessed it, conversions. Everything that gets you to your goal, whether that's purchase, lead capture, app install, content downloads, chat engagement, or demo requests, we're talking conversions. Hosted by Eric Christensen, CEO and co-founder of leading conversion optimization platform, Just Do Know. On The Conversion Show, Eric sits down with industry-leading marketers, e-commerce growth experts, founders, and entrepreneurs to chat all things conversion marketing. Be sure to follow The Conversion Show podcast to be notified when a new episode goes live. Like what you hear? Leave us some love with a review. And now, here's your host, Eric Christensen. So with that, I'm going to roll into The Conversion Show today with an e-commerce founder, marketer, growth leader, and someone that many of you probably already know, given he has 22,000 plus followers on LinkedIn, and really was one of the kind of early into DTC with, with golf. So no one else but Sully Tyler from Bomb Tech Golf, former Bomb Tech Golf. <laughs> That's right. Uh, so welcome to the show. Weird. Yeah. Thanks That's for having me. Glad to be here. Just fit. That that's my uh, just finished eighteen holes. Sorry. Of course. Uh, did you use your your own golf clubs? Bro, I'm gonna ask that. Of course, dude. They're the best. They're legit. Yeah, that's what? that's the easy part, dude. Did you use my the golf game's not great though. Did you use the four Is that what I saw they recently released? Yeah. So I end up using all the prototypes that have no no design elements that are like bare bones and you know they keep me stealth on the course because i don't want everyone to know you know they're like oh what are you doing I'm like i don't know i'm still figuring out i don't tell them i you know own and sold bomb tech because uh, then my game doesn't go well uh so when so now that you have so much free time when you go out in the course are you getting i mean that's the other thing it's kind of lonely at the top in a sense like you can't just call your buddies up to go golf at 10 a.m on Tuesday. What is it? Tuesday? Are you, are you it's Tuesday? Uh, I think. How do you handle that? <laughs> it's, it's a weird problem to have. And I feel it feels weird to even say that's a problem that you have all this time, you know, post exit. And luckily there's enough people working remotely uh, that end up on the golf course. So today I had, you know, two other guys that were able to play with me. I got tea time Thursday with two other guys, Friday, same thing. So it's actually not been too bad with remote work post COVID. I think that's one good thing is people are living life a little bit, golfing more. Um, and it gives me more people to hang out with, but it is, it is a weird thing when you build a company from scratch and I had no expectations when I started in 2012 of it becoming anything. And then to go from that's your baby, 20 hour days, literally seven days a week i was assembling the clubs in my basement i mean in 2013 or 14 with a newborn upstairs and um and it'd go from that much intensity and that's your your only thing for 10 years to then sell it it, it was everyone's like it's anticlimactic you're gonna feel weird after and you know it was the best move for me financially and for my family but i have moments where i'm like i feel like i want to try something again and do something i think as an entrepreneur which i was an accidental one i think that's just something that never goes away you you're not done when you exit you want to i always want to build things so i have like three other projects i'm just working on that i'm trying to get traction in um but for bomb tech at that time with the growth i had 
with COVID being so good to golf and e-com, it just was good timing for me with young kids to say, okay, let me take chips off the table, put some money in the bank and uh, enjoy Tuesday's 18 hole and then do an interview, you know? <laughs> well, I, as we look at uh, sullytyler.com, you know, we'll call this a champagne worthy uh, podcast today. Uh, I like it. I like it. So, you know, if you're listening in, pull up Bomb Tech Golf, pull up Sully Tyler on LinkedIn, you'll get the whole breakdown. And if you pull up Bomb Tech, you'll, you'll see a few things that stood out to me. And what I like to do is look at the trends that are popular today, but also that are the foundational to get people to success. And the, the five truths I'm seeing today as we look at conversion optimization is when you arrive on a site, trust, shipping, returns, customer service, and price. To me, these like the foundational of what, what you need to speak to It's when it comes to consumer psychology. And you go to Bomb Tech and you nailed like the core ones right away. The trust is the most important. Can you talk about, you know, you, you have your story front and center. You, you, were, you built something you were passionate about and you told that story. Building trust, being DTC, I imagine when it came to your marketing, there is a fair amount of social, whether it's Instagram, whatever, to bring awareness. You know, as we looked at three mm -hmm. pillars of conversion or lifecycle marketing, driving traffic awareness, conversion and retention. The reviews stood out big. Can you, can you share with us, you know, your, your viewpoint of what drove your success and how important those, the reviews and your story was to your success? Yeah, I wish I could say everything was planned out and I, decided to do those things in a meticulous I'll do this and this will happen but my my story was very organic and like accidental with like I kind of just followed the traction right so my story I just had no budget to hire people or to send out products so I just put myself out there and became the guy but I was truly obsessed with hitting the ball as far as I could and it it never felt like work because I just started make made a website because it was fun started documenting what I was doing, just kind of wanted to do this because I was curious and kind of treated it as I'm going to try this for fun. Um, didn't expect to make a dollar. I just kind of documented my journey on Facebook early days, like 2012, like I'm going up to UVM. I'm going to ask them if I can design a driver with them. I did. And I was like, okay, cool. Let me design a driver with five students. And I, I went all in. So everything I did, I was just like, this is fun. Let's design a driver. Then I was like, I'll cash for my 401k and just make samples. And, and so I, I did things that I don't know if I advise other people to do. Um, but I was lucky that other golfers enjoyed my personality and who I was and could relate to me as like a regular golfer. And I think like reviews and tactics to get reviews, I think it, it, it's always more than the tactics. Like I actually cared about the customers and would take every phone call, answer every email. And I learned who they were, what they wanted. And I did that for years. And because I really just wanted to truly wow them. So I would do crazy stuff 
when I had no money, I was broke. And I would send them like a free club if it got, you know, uh, missing in the mail, just because that's how I wanted to be treated, you know? So like that, that spilled over to like our customer service guys. And now we have like a post-purchase Facebook group. Thank you, voicemail. Thank you, videos. Thank you, handwritten cards. So all these things that, yeah, you could say, hey, get a shit ton of reviews and you'll sell more products and have higher conversion. Yeah, that's cool. But it's more of like, I'm building a real community. I'm actually really caring when it, when it matters to the customers, not just saying it and having lots of reviews and building more than just a physical product. That's awesome. But a real like, you know, community. And like, if someone sees another guy, they like go right up and start talking about it because they feel like it's more than the product. So I think that's why we have almost, I think it's 20,000 plus reviews now, 16 something thousand, five star, because not everything in e-commerce and, and life or business goes perfect, but we just do whatever we can to say, okay, we'll do whatever it takes to wow you. And over time, I think it's pressure over time and performing and wowing them over a period of time is why we have so many reviews. And, um, you know, I think that's just a piece of the puzzle. You know what I mean? If you really care and do that, all these other things will happen. What I'm hearing there is the, the foundation, which is critical, is that a leader that puts customer experience first. You know, yeah, and everyone says they have great customer experience, but there's a big difference when you like really wow them. And like the only two guys I have in-house that are full-time employees are customer service, which is usually is everyone's the opposite. Mm -hmm. The only people they outsource are customer service to like, you know, cheap labor. Those are my most expensive in-house guys. And it's because they golf and they love it, you know? So it's like, it seems like a no brainer, but I think those little steps allow us when we do send an email to get reviews and not to go on a tangent here, but I think too, is like, from day one, you talk about my story. I use that, and I don't use that story. I just was having these conversations in email on Facebook. And I was talking like you and I are talking one-to-one. -one, and I was doing that in email. So every customer felt like we had a relationship one-to-one -one versus being like, let me design this sexy email about how bomb tech's so big. And we were like, you know, and here's a newsletter style email versus so, so we went more raw, authentic, and just trying to have conversations that allow us the opportunity to talk to them. And if we're lucky, we'll sell something to them, you know? It's the, it's that strategy. I mean, you mentioned one-to-one -one personalization, which is, which is so critical today for the on-site experience, but it's that to grow your company, everyone thinks it's this, you, you know, it's this big, broad thing, but it's really, if you focus on that core, the core center ball and then expand from there you have a much healthier business and sustainable business as you move forward uh, and that's what it really looks like you've built and it, you've proven it is by investing in that customer you can build long-term sustainability and you are self-funded too which to me that's how we've always grown our businesses is it forces you to grow in a sustainable manner invest in other right areas in on that subject, if you were, if you, let's say, you know, we were talking about maybe starting a new company or with the clients you have at Sully Tyler, if you had an unlimited budget, what would you invest in like next or today to grow in 
grow the online revenue if you were if you were back in the driver's seat? You know, I I've always operated bootstrap and what makes profit. And, you know, one of the reasons I went to exit too is like I kind of did the best I could and had high high revenue for a small company and high profit. And I didn't even with more cash, and that's one thing I went over and over. It's like, well, what if I did raise money? Could I grow this to a hundred million, two hundred million, like some some bigger number? Yeah. And that was never how I wanted to roll. And I don't think I have a good answer for that because I always wanted to spend a dollar and get five back. Like that's how I always operated up till the end. And, you know, I don't know. I wanted cash in the bank, cash flow, and not be too heavy on inventory. So we would sell out quite a bit. Um, so I was really bootstrapped. And I remember I took all my parents, gave me a $10,000 loan which I paid them back, obviously. And then I took PayPal working capital loans because I at first I was like, oh my God, I'm, I'm selling all this product. This is great. Then I'm like, where's the money? And I was like, I got to go buy more inventory. And I didn't realize because this was just totally not planned. I didn't really understand physical products, but I knew I had something there. I didn't really realize like you can do, you know, a couple million dollars in sales and have no money because it's all in inventory. So once I paid back those working capital loans and was debt free, I was like, I'm, I'm not, that's not me. I'm a conservative guy. I think I got that from my parents who always owned a restaurant and just, I, I don't know. That's how I roll. So I don't know if you gave me a hundred million, 10 million, if I could grow it in a better way, it'd probably be not spent well. So I, I like businesses that you can spend a dollar, get three back and make profit. You know, that's just how I look at it. And nothing's shown that, I can change that, you know? Well, it, it speaks to the the unknown of, would you have been successful if you had money? Because you may have not focused in the right areas. So, you know, maybe for people that are today, that are strapped, you know, it, it's actually a competitive advantage, <laughs> you know? So if you have limited resources, where would you recommend if we talk about life cycle marketing we talk about driving traffic conversion the retention side you know email marketing right now i know you're doing a lot of work with that of those three pillars where would you say like companies should be prioritizing today equally separate what's your thoughts i mean i think there's three things there's uh offer community and email so like, that's how I would think of it at a high level if I were to try to break it down. So, you know, the offer is if you're like, we were a single product brand for a long time. We just had the driver. And so we had to come out with additional products that were not product replacements to, you know, drive more revenue from our email list and current customers. So do you have another product line or something that's not necessarily a replacement? So like, I wouldn't come out with just another driver if they already have drivers, right? So can you do it? And this is harder than it really, it seems to be. It's like, oh, I'll just sell a, a putter or wedges or a bag and you'd be like a no brainer, but that's not always the case, which I found out. Um, so how I would implement this, if I had some traction is I would just use plain text email. So I already have my list, have some customers and I would ask them, and we do this all the time. In the most simple way, you'd be like, hey, you know, can I get your vote or can I get your feedback or even write questions subject line? I would just say, 
I'm thinking about making two different products, a 64 degree wedge and a chipper. Can you tell me, can you vote or reply back with A for the chipper, B for the 64? And I'll tell you what, I'm so cool. I started a golf company. Guess what? I never get it right. They always tell me what I think it's the opposite of what I think would launch well. And so, for example, I was like, oh, 64 will crush. Everyone's got the other wedge loss. Mm-hmm. No brainer. And then we got like 95% voted for the chipper. And so this was like, I mean, this is a bigger strategy of how to use your email list to have conversations, but I would use my list, have questions, ask questions to my customers. So I know what to launch next. So the likelihood of that to happen is higher. And then what I would do is a micro launch, which is what we do a lot where we do, okay, so let's say everyone voted 95% voted for the chipper. Let's do 400 units. 300 units, maybe 10,000 depends on the size of your company. We do a small order run that didn't take a lot of cash to your point of being strapped. Um, Cause I wouldn't want, and I did, I have another story I could tell you after about a, a failed launch, but so I would do a micro launch. I would launch it via email, minimal ads, and just see how it sells. If it's sold, if I sold through that 400 based on my email size over three days with follow-ups and texts and stuff, I would consider that a success. And then I would make 5,000 units. So that's like how I, I look at, and if I were to launch a new e-com brand today, I'd do the exact same thing. I would do a small sample order, maybe 50 units, get some, send it out, get some UGC, get some product photos, see if I can launch and sell them. And then I would do a, a micro order and then a bigger order. So I would never just, let me raise money or take some cash from my eggs and just buy 10,000 units and hope for the best. You know, that's just not how I would do it, you know? Um, well, it's that groundswell story of, you know, you, you mentioned community. It's getting your customers involved in the process and engaging with them so they can help you innovate the product itself so they're part of it. Kind of like, you know, it's Kickstarter. When did Kickstarter start? I did do one Kickstarter. So it was it was before my time. Um but I did use it once, but yeah, it's, it's the same concept, but for some reason, I think a lot of people just think as the founder, maybe they know what product they should totally. launch and that makes, and that's logical. But I think once you truly let go of the ego and embrace like why you exist is for the customer and let them help guide you. And I'm not saying I read every Facebook comment and say, oh shit, we need to listen to everyone that comments on Facebook. Cause that's, yeah. That can get hairy, but if you do it in a a direct channel way that you, you have a good relationship like email, that is something that if they're telling me this, I'm getting thousands of replies. And guess what? I, I know that's going to be pretty decent, you know, and the one failure I had, uh, well, not one, one of many was I launched a product that was beer related and it was like beer putt. It's like beer pong for golf. And I was like the 2007 frat beer prong champion. Um, so I thought this is going to kill it. I love this product. And we couldn't sell it to save our lives. And I never went through and asked the questions to our customers in email. You know, I never did any of this. I, it was when I was like 50 or in, was a little cocky, thought I knew what they would want. And I just didn't take the time to ask the questions. And, you know, for me, it's just like it engages them. It gets a real feedback. And it gives you intel. It's like, why wouldn't I do this all the time? But a lot. And one thing to say with the strategy, you can't just never do this and just wet hammer someone with a question email. You have to 
train them and talk to them like this over time. So it's like, if you have a list where you've been burning and saying promo, deal, sale, and then you want to do that, it's going to be hard for that list to know what's going on and your customers. So you got to kind of, if you're going to do it, embrace the strategy and all your, you know, email marketing. So you mentioned your engagement with these customers through email with the simple basic text email, which I love. We used to do our, when we do blowout snowboard sales of old inventory, we just do get your 70% off now and just be a hyperlink. <laughs> Sometimes yeah, the business work. What when we talk about the on-site experience, would you work to engage those visitors either once they click through the email or just any general visitor arriving to try to solicit feedback through a survey or or other means? I didn't really have success with that, to be honest. I mean, the biggest channels was email and then the group. And the group, I had three groups at one point on Facebook. Uh, but the group that was most successful and we ended up keeping was the owners only group. So it's a post-purchase. And again, very simple one email that says, I can't, I don't know exactly what it says. It's like, hey, you're awesome. Uh, you, you should come join all the other bomb tech owners in this private group. No other, no one else is allowed, allowed in. And it's just a link. And then they go to the Facebook group and it's just owners. So that's another channel, not necessarily that we own. Email is like the only owned asset. Uh, and, the, and they can throw a reach on the group. So not saying it's perfect, but at least in there, it's self, you know, like the guys post around questions, they talk to each other. So when I ask a question, I'm like, hey, we want to come up with this launch. You know, that's another great place that's not email, but it's social um, that we can engage and have those questions. I, I haven't done a ton of like, I know a lot of people do these quizzes, feedback, and using pop-ups. I never really got that deep. I did do back in the day when we were custom, like a, a driver fitting. Um, and that was cool and worked well. But I was like answering every form myself manually at one point. And we went away from custom because we couldn't scale the volume there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I never really got that down the path with that. I kept it simple, you know? And just use email on the Facebook group. As we talk about, you know, zero and first-party data is a big trend right now uh, with third-party cookies going away. The choose-your-own-journey is something that's we're hearing it's gaining a lot of popularity. You mentioned you would do the kind of like the custom club type thing. Did you have a chance to start experimenting with profiling your customers and building segments of knowing, you know, skill level, et cetera, to try to market with them? No, we nearly did not. I think for us, though, our product offerings kind of did that for us because we went from a world of fully custom, like almost catering to the mid to low handicap guy. And then I think when we decided to go out for the more basic regular stiff 10.5 and nine and like remove all that. I think that did it for us. I think if we were a bigger shop and again, my own views on capital and, and cash flow restricted that. Like I've said, you know what? I'd rather have less inventory that we can have barcoded, not custom that we could move versus having more options, more SKUs and, and, more inventory tied up and doing less volume though. So I, I really leaned it down. I was very terrified to make that decision, to be honest, at the time, because we were all custom for so long. But for us, 
that allowed us to scale. So I think we used the product offering to almost filter that for us. So we did at that point that went away for us. That's really interesting. In, I mean, in the snowboard wor world, we'd call it the quiver killer. Like you mentioned your friend yep. in the ski world, it's, and what I'm recognizing right now is that that also allows you to focus in on marketing that one product. And with 4,600 reviews on one club, you don't have 10 clubs to choose from. It's one club. So you can narrow in those reviews to that one product. It's yeah, we could have got real weird with all the products. And, I, you know, that's how it started. And I realized, you know, I just didn't want to get in that game. So we, we kind of did it for I don't know what the word is. We did it uh, with hesitance to make the move. But for us, it was one of those moves where we made it and it, it was well received. And I think that launch when we I'll, I'll never forget the day because we had like six options on our add to cart when it was custom. It'd be like loft, yeah. shaft type, flex, length, all these crazy things. And then we went, I said, how few can we have? So yeah. most of our products are just add to cart. Some have like one option, which is flex. And so that move there actually reduced a ton of friction and increased conversion by so much. It was, that was a huge win. And I almost was too deep in the golf game that it, it would hurt us. So it was like almost, that was a hard one for me to solve, but having less options from a conversion standpoint for us was, was huge, you know, keeping it simple, you know, and showing the product. I see a lot of apparel sites. that's like 10 million options and colors and drop downs and stuff. I'm like, Oh my God, I don't even know what I'm buying. So I think for me, simple has always won. You know, over and over again, the more I simplify things and, and less complicated, just it seems to be easier. Because a lot of times these are impulse buys. People are flying. Their kid is, you know, running over there doing something. They're trying to buy a golf club. You know, so it's how simple can we make this? And let's make it simpler. You know? Oh. Uh, prior, prior to our recording here, Sully and I were talking about, you know, if we were to start a company a new company today, what would we do? And so what we're really kind of touching on right now, the trends of, of the consumer, you're, they, they don't want too many options. So if you're looking at your new product line or you, and most importantly, you're looking at your product page, you know, mm -hmm. take a step back and put yourself in the hands of, of, of your consumer show empathy for their purchase journey, you know, communicate what needs to be communicated, the, the core foundations that really Amazon really brought to the market of, you know, if we celebrate what Amazon has done, which you mentioned there, you know, the, how do we make it so damn simple to check out? You know, I think it's two things too, though, with DC that I, I would, so you want simplicity on the ability to check out, you know, don't make it complicated. Don't have, I love on the checkout page and you have like 15 payment options. It's like PayPal, Venmo, this, 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 this. It's like, too much. Um, but I think the big thing too is copywriting, which is again, is not visual, but just talking directly to your customer in their voice. And I, I mean, I did, I did the copyright myself and I'm awful at writing, but you're speaking to that customer. I think copywriting and all the zero testing that we do is messaging based. It's sometimes visual, but it's like, as long as you have the reviews, that are legit. You have a solid guarantee that's visible. You have clean product images, uh, maybe a video if you need it. 
but then it then it comes down to the messaging, right? Like I, I think so. Like I, I have a new brand idea. I don't know if I'm going to do it, but I've made a store, and and all I'm working on is not the design. I mean, I did design it. It took two seconds, but it's a copyright. Like who am I talking to? You know, and all I'm going to do is I'm going to make a product for myself again that solves my own problem and just talk to that person. And if people resonate with it, great. And I think when you do that, you're going to be polarizing and some people are going to hate it. And I think that's good. So I think that's one of the biggest levers when I look at a product page is, is the copy specific enough to piss someone off? Then I'm doing good. Well, the, the authentic voice. And, you know, I, yes. I see bomb tech, you're like the disruptor, you know, stick more greens for less green, no pros, no retail, just premium clubs without the premium price tag. <laughs> yep. um, the, you know, the, the other benefit there is SEO. Um, it's so funny. I love seeing what you did here because, you know, we, we had snowboarders, right. When we had our snowboard company, we literally had our snowboarders during the summer months in the 110 degree heat in Sacramento riding snowboard mm -hmm. uh, descriptions. And we did it so that it would yeah. wasn't just the manufacturer description, which every other retailer uses. And so we, one, spoke to the customer, gave them info they really needed, but we also had the SEO benefits from it. Mm. Yeah, I don't understand selling on just like, like that's one thing Amazon can do because they're so big. You know, they could just have, you know, the minimum specs and stuff. But I think if you're D to C and you're not speaking authentic voice and talking to that customer, I think you're missing a huge opportunity. And I would encourage you because every win we've had from a conversion side that was significant came from tweaking those elements of copy and writing in their voice. You know what I mean? So that's that's kind of how if I built an e-com brand today, that's exactly what I'm, I'm doing. I'm writing copy, you know, that's going to offend some people that's going to talk to my target audience and then building the product around there versus the other way. It's like product specs, features. It's like, wait a sec, you know, that that's not what gets it done. You know, it's not, we aren't Amazon and that's one benefit of not being them, you know? Well, it's funny. We've been talking about copy a lot lately conversion copy and yep. you know looking at the foundation you have here is you want to be able to offend talk to your target and kind of wrap in the product when you when you say can we break dig into that a little the offend can you what's the solid definition of offending your your customer? i mean i don't want to ever offend someone on purpose right but i, I have found that when you're on the internet and you're putting yourself out there on a Facebook ad anywhere, someone's going to not like it, right? And I'd rather have someone who's not a good fit, not like what we're doing versus be vanilla in the middle and try to please everyone because there's no money in the middle. So if I'm trying to please everyone, hey, you know, we do everything for everyone. No one's going to care, right? So like I just stay in my lane, do this one thing well, talk to that one person, piss a lot of people off and and that's okay, because I don't care about them. But if you just want to please everyone, you're going to please no one, and you're not going to sell anything. So so that's when I think of like, and I'll, I'll never forget to give a better example. You know, we, we run, you know, tons and tons of money on Facebook. And, you know, we would get tons of comments from people that didn't like us. 
you know, we didn't make left-handed product. We didn't do certain things that they wanted. We didn't do custom like adjustable driver, whatever it was, we offended someone. And, you know, but then our, our customers would come and comment like, oh, well, we don't, we don't want that. This is what we want. This is why we exist. And the polarization is healthy for ads because if someone's commenting on them, it's actually lowering your cost per click and your cost to acquire. So it's like, you know, people used to always come talk to me about like, oh my God, have you read the Facebook comments? And I'm like, yeah, I know they're brutal, but they're helping us. So it was, it's a crazy thing to think about. You would want ever to offend someone, but it's not really about that. It's just, we're not, we're not building something for them. We're building something for someone else. And if no one reacts or engages or cares, and you're just pleased everyone, you're never going to make a sale and you're never going to exist. So for me, it's like, I just did it because this is what I wanted to build. And then I built it with the community and we offend some people, you know, and that's, it's more of a polarization and standing, standing up for something you believe in and being okay that not everyone's going to believe that. Maybe yeah. a better way than offend. <laughs> I, I would always say, um, I don't care what you say, just make sure you put a drop a link back to us. <laughs> there you go. Exactly. <laughs> you know, so if I, I, I kind of understand the offend. It's more of, look, this product may not be for you and that's okay. Right. This, yeah. We know who we're building for. Um, that's really cool. The, and you're speaking to your target and you're, you're wrapping in. Yeah. We don't make left-handed clubs. Sorry. We're not for you. Um, there's not enough money in it for us. We're self-funded company. <laughs> and, and exactly. And we would do those things and like make certain products based on that. And then we would try to sell them. And every time they didn't sell. So there was, you know, and I think it's easy if you're starting out to really go 50 different ways and try to please everyone and make different things. But I think if you don't have passion for what you're doing and actually care about it, you're not going to have enough conviction to go one direction or not. So you probably shouldn't be doing it. You know what I mean? So I think that all starts with the foundation and passion. But yeah, from a conversion thing, it's okay to offend someone. You know, looking at your product page, I love you hit a core foundation. You're talking about copy and what you have there is you're communicating that your order ship in one business day. You know, it's like you, that is, Shipping is still the number one reason people abandon carts. Why they Apple to you do Amazon because they know they it's gonna they're gonna tell them when it's gonna arrive on the exact day, etc. The um the the your warranty, the trust, and the sixty day guarantee. It seems like that's everywhere. Um, is that a was that a big no pun intended driver for for your business? Yeah, that was a huge learning from when I was doing phone calls early days. And I would talk to guys that were genuinely interested in the product. And they're like, where can I hit it? Where can I hit it? Where can I demo it? Are you going to be in Florida? Are you going to be in California? I'm like, wait a sec. I was like, what can I do? They let these guys try the product. And, you know, because I can't be everywhere. And when I would do a demo day, I would go and maybe six golfers would show up. I'd sell one club. I was like, this is, I'm not going to make any money doing this. I can't be everywhere. Um, so the guarantee for us was like, at least giving confidence that you can go try it, beat it up. If you really don't like it, send it back. You know, so that was, that was my workaround. And I don't think that really existed back then. You know, this is 2013. I think I came up with that guarantee. And, uh, you know, it really worked well. You know, once we we did that, but, you know, there's situations where we 
help guys out that's past 60 days, you know? So it's like, we just want you to try because we know it's that good. Yeah. If you really don't like it, send it back. No big deal. You know, we talk about trying to scale up a, a retail business, which is so difficult to do. Some of the trends I'm, I'm hearing here is, you know, and it goes back into the bootstrap model is like you said, your 60 day guarantee was more out of saving money from having to go to these unsuccessful um, demo days, uh, which costs a lot of money between travel, hotel, mm -hmm. and to sell, you know, take that market, those marketing dollars and put it into potential returns. The, um, the simple product line is still standing out to me, you know, for people looking to start their own brands right now, strip down your, your SKUs. And in the one, you're doing it because it costs so much to build the molds and production and inventory. But the benefits are you have less products for people to review. So you get more reviews up. <laughs> yeah. So we, I think that's a good point. Like if I were to launch a new e-com brand today, I would have, I would do one product, honestly, and just do it well. And that would give me enough firepower to get reviews, you know, UGC, third-party YouTube video reviews. And just prove if that brand and really that brand positioning, copywriting, the if that product has product market fit and our branding, you know, and, and our position really. Cause I would I wouldn't make 10, 15 different SKUs day one. Cause I mean, that's just more options that you're not gonna sell. So I always go with one product, see if there's proof of concept, and then go for, and then if it if it does well, guess what? Launch a different product to your audience that you now sold to. And that's the easiest way in my mind. And, that, and that's just how we did it. It was just very simple. Like we're selling a ton of drivers. We're like, hey, what do you guys want next? They're like irons. I'm like, all right, let's make irons. Then I was like, hey, what do you guys want next? They're like wedges, I'm like, all right, let's do that. And only time where I get a little sketchy is like, I want to make something crazy. And then I would just go to the micro launch. Like if I want to do a 72 degree wedge, which is like insane. Um, I'd say, all right, let's make 400, 200. So I would just pare those numbers down in a new business or if a bigger business, go bigger, but always micro launch and let your audience tell you what's up. The micro launch. Uh, we got some good, good bits info here today. The uh, one thing we like to do is finish shows by asking our guests to pose a question to the next retailer. And okay. you know, so prior to this, Saul and I were, you know, we're talking about, you know, ideas to launch new, new products, new brands and, and how, you know, we're trends are changing quickly. And, you know, are we the caboose? Do we even know what to do? <laughs> Is what made us successful going to be successful today? So put you on the spot. What would be a, a question for the next guest that you would like to ask someone that's crushing it right now? I mean, for if they're in D2C and they're crushing it today, you know, it's always where's the best return on ad spend? I think that's the biggest answer. And if it's outside Facebook, how? Because, you know, that that's like at the end of the day, paid traffic, you need your email back in. But if someone's doing well on like TikTok or something like that, I would like, I'd love to learn more about how they do that. Because that's a channel we haven't crushed and more channels you can crush is bigger you can get. There you go. All right. We shall ask it. Perfect. <laughs> that is the magical question. Uh, and how do I get more Shopify reviews? 
That's a tough one. You want me to go into it? I just I I just read your uh one of your blog posts. Um and Thank you. I study I would study bomb tech if you're looking to how to do reviews. Everyone, that's a big common question. Well, Sally, thank Is you it? so much. I hope everyone enjoyed the show. You got some some knowledge from from a a kingpin of retail uh, who you can now actually leverage at, uh, what is it, sullytyler.com? Yeah, so I have sullytyler.com, it's my personal site, and I have an email marketing agency, Ecom Growers. So we do Clavio email and SMS, and I have some other things working, but those are under wraps for now. But uh, in LinkedIn too, at, uh, I think it's Tyler Sully Sullivan there. Great. Well, hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, stay tuned for upcoming. Just hit that like button, follow, whatever you do, subscribe. So you do subscribe and podcast. All the above. <laughs> All the above. <laughs> Great. All right. Well, thanks again, Sully. Thanks, man.